Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. And uh, it was unusually chirpy there, Rob. Oh, I was trying to lift the mood. Right, what's wrong with the mood? The mood's fine. So you, now you brought the mood down again? <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, for any new listeners who've just downloaded us for the first ever time, well, I'm telling you, you're going to like this show so much that already you need to go straight into iTunes and subscribe to us so that you have us come through every week because we are a podcast that reports on local news. And when we say local news, it's not like your sort of local news television program. This is looking at weird, funny, strange, bizarre local news stories. But we also have a general anaesthetic segment in each show where we do cover some national news stories as well. There is everything here for everybody, including... A listener story of the week, because we have an army of loyal listeners, they send us in stories, Rob's got a huge backlog here that he's trying to get through, and because we only feature one of them a week, mm. listeners. We've never really we've never really clarified why we only feature one a week, Rob, because technically we could feature more. Alex, we have too many stories, and I think we could do more than one. Uh, I did contemplate this week, because... Yeah, if you uh, ever have a dearth of stories, you could do more than one, couldn't you? Yeah, I bear that in mind. We could, I mean, literally, we have enough stories at the moment, we could just do an entire episode of Local Anesthetic with just listener stories. That would be a great thing to do one week, actually. Maybe for Christmas, maybe we should yeah. do that. Dedicated to our listeners, so yeah. you can forward some of them to me, you take some, and we'll do them that way. Okay, let me give them up, and then I'll, we should have enough to do that. That'd be, that's a great idea, okay. okay. Um, any news, Rob? Yes, one thing. Now, Alex, this year, uh, I believe you've had a birthday. Is this, is this correct or not? Back in August. Yeah. Well... And you were meant to give me a present and you didn't. I hope it's not the Red Dwarf thing. Happy birthday! Oh, Rob, ha- well, you did, do you know what, mate? I didn't... Oh, but it's Spider-Man wallpaper. Did you know I was a Spider-Man fan? I didn't. Yeah, I, I love Spider-Man. Found in our cupboard. Spider-Man's my favourite... My <laughs> oh, is favorite. it? This is, then it was chosen especially for you. Fe- I've got a feeling I know what this is, and can I tell you why? I, got, I hope you haven't got this. And I don't think I have. This is going to be really... If Robert's got me what I think he's got me, this is going to be really weird. Okay. I, as part of my work, I was in a meeting the other day, and underneath the person's desk, I saw a book. And I said to him, is that yours? And they said, no, no, they bought it for their nephew. And asked if I could look at it. And they told me where they bought it. And I can't remember the name of where they got it. And I was like, I really, really want that. I wish I had it. If this is it... Well, I bought this at my work because the people had come in and I saw that and thought, I have to get that. If this is it... Yes, this is it. You're, you're chitting me. Is this, that real? This is absolutely bizarre. I cannot think of a more meaningful coincidence. This is... Oh. It's, 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 I, I've just been it's, looking at this. It's the Clone Wars, everything, yeah. Well, I so saw so basically, Rob has bought me uh, the Ultimate Star Wars Encyclopedia, which I've always wanted, but I've never got. Good. And what happened was, I just want to reiterate this. Two days ago, I'm in a meeting. This exact book is underneath somebody's desk. And I said to them, is that yours? Please tell me it's yours. And they said, Alex. no, no, I bought it for a Christmas present for my nephew. And they told me they got it from someone like Book Zone or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to have to write this down. And I forgot. And, and then I emailed her about it later on and said I was really jealous of that book. I'm and not then shitting you. two I, days later, Rob bought me this. I bought that book on Monday. Actually, no, not... Yeah, two days. Yeah, Monday was the day yeah, I was I, there. I bought it on Monday. I have to say, this is really crazy. <laughs> you weren't in contact with her, that person. I, I, I don't know who it was, so no. This is... 
This is unbelievable. Well, it's, a, it's a massive book. And also, I should be very grateful to Rob for... How the fuck did you lug this over? You didn't have it in your bag. No, I, I did. I had a bag carrier bag, but I, I didn't want to, uh, to give it away. So I hid it in my coat when I was walking up the stairs. So this is a hugely appreciated... I didn't notice it because of the weight you've put on recently. Um, this is a... I mean, that was unnecessary. This is a hugely appreciated <laughs> gift. What a coffee table welcome. book this is. I can't tell people how grateful I am. This is a brilliant birthday present. Good. But, but, uh, but do you not find that weird? It's very, very strange. Yeah, and you must have thought you must have it. And I don't. I, I was, I was it panicking. is the one book I do not have. Well, I got home and just thought, I need, I need to find out when it's published. It was only published about three months ago. Yeah, but it's actually got the Disney logo on the back. I'm yeah. so chuffed, mate. No, you're very welcome. I'm going to keep that on my uh, coffee table, as it is a coffee table book, and look at it regularly. Robert. Cheers, mate. No worries. That was well worth waiting for. What are we now? Four months later. <laughs> right, that can count, that's so good it can count as next year's and Christmas. No, Christmas. We're not doing Christmas presents, are we? Well, I've are got, we? I've got, I've got an idea for you for uh, Christmas. For it's only something small. I've though. got no ideas for you, so. <laughs> well, it's only something small, right. so don't worry. Um, right, before we get started, by the way. It's already five minutes in. Okay, the Canadians have been in contact again. Right. Both S- of them. Uh, no, Hang on, let them. me see if I can remember their names. Russ. Yep. And. Uh, oh. I had to think as well. Chris. Chris. Because I, I had to think about it. I can't, but was it Russ from Toronto and Chris from Vancouver, I believe? If I've got that the wrong way around, I can. No, that's right. That's right. Well I, I do apologise. Right. He says, "Who? Uh, this is Russ from Toronto." Yeah. Hi, gents. Thanks for sharing my story. I must say, you did a wonderful. He, he was the one who did the one about the guy who set off the life raft and then dived into the that's water. Right, yeah. Didn't use the life raft. Swam to an island. Broke into a woman's home. Removed all the bedding and then was taken and sectioned to put in a psychiatric. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I must say, you did a wonderful job with the pronunciation of Tuasen. You did a great job. Uh, sorry, you did a better job than most locals. Uh, place, names, place names in British Columbia are mashup of traditional Aboriginal names. Is that right? Aboriginal? Yeah. Aboriginal names, names of Spanish and Dutch explorers and British settlers. And you did a, a wonderful job. Um, here's a link to... Now, he's linked to the story that you mentioned in his original email, the Cougars versus Cows in uh, Langley, British Columbia, a suburb of Vancouver where I live. So we will be featuring that story in the coming weeks. Thank you very much, Russ. Nice to hear from you. And I'm pleased you enjoyed our take on that brilliant story you sent. Keep sending them, because that was a corker. It was. Well, can I kick us off then? Go ahead. I have to say I'm itching to get on with our general anaesthetic segment. I can tell. Because (laughs) we'll be doing that later. But as we speak, the Houses of Parliament, the British Houses of Parliament, are debating a motion that's been put forward by the government to uh, bomb, basically, Syria. Yeah. Um, ISIS in Syria. That is happening right now, and I'm, of course, going to be covering Syria because there really is nothing else that we can talk about right now. But before we do that, Rob, I do have some banal, stupid local news stories oh, good. for you, which are, of course, yeah, highly important. And the first one of this is from the Bournemouth Echo, Rob. It's by Kate Wilson. Um, it was published a couple of days ago. We are recording, for those people who are fastidious about these sorts of things, on the 2nd of December, 2015. And the... Um, the title of this story is How Many Depressed People Does It Take to Change a Light Bulb? College, <laughs> p- college Apology for Awful Online Test. Is the answer none because they just like sitting in the dark? Roughly. Bournemouth and Paul College has apologised after allowing its students to complete an online test on mental health, which asked them how many depressed people it takes to change a light bulb. Is that some just sort of perverse joke? The test is issued to all students at the college to teach them about issues surrounding mental health. However, when students on the Hair and Beauty Level 2 course took the online multiple choice test on Tuesday... What? November, do you want to make a comment? Why? Why? Would, I'm not going to be disparaging about people who do hair and beauty courses, but why are they learning about depression? It's a good question, Robin. Something the commenters do bring up. Right. Um, 
took the online multiple choice test on Tuesday, November the 17th. They were appalled by some of the questions they were made to answer. Right. One question asked, how many disabled people does it, change, does it take to change a light bulb? Students had the multiple choice of one, two, ten, or it doesn't matter because when you're depressed it's always dark. <laughs> Just to prove it exists, there is the multiple choice question. This is awful. Is it? This has to be some sort of joke. No, it's real. Another question presented students with the statement, people harm themselves for a laugh to get attention. They had to then pick true or false. One of the students on the course said she found the test very offensive. I don't suffer from mental health problems personally, but I know one of my friends on the course suffers with depression, and she was really upset by the test, she said. There was no explanation as to why the questions were worded in such a way. We were just told to complete it. Complete it. Mental health is an extremely important subject that has a lot of stigma attached to it, and to word the questions and answers in this way was really naive of the college, if not extremely offensive. If someone was in a situation where they were self-harming, I just wonder how reading something like this on the college test would affect them. It's really awful, and I know a few parents and students have complained. One in four people in the UK will experience a mental health problem each year. A spokesman from Bournemouth and Poole College said, A student came to us on Wednesday, November 18th, alerting us to the content of an online lead learning resource. We have since reviewed its contents, and in line with the college's values, we've withdrawn it from our virtual learning environment. We apologise unreservedly for any offence the programme may have caused. The test was supplied to us by a national organisation, which specialises in the provision of interactive e-learning and e-assessments for colleges, schools, universities and local authorities. Well, I would argue that you have a duty as a college to review that material before yeah, you release it to, to your it. students. Vet it. Comments. Wackerone says, I was going to say none because they can't be bothered, but this wasn't an option on the test. <laughs> That's harsh. Uh, Nermal says, I'm missing the point. Why do hair and beauty level two students have to study mental health issues? And uh, one time pathetic, uh, one time apathetic. Well, I'm just thinking about it because if you just think if someone has depression, it means they might have low self-esteem as a result of that. And so if they get a bad haircut, that's just going to, that's not going to help the condition. Well, you kind of ruined that one time apathetic's comment because they said it's because if they accidentally dye people's hair the wrong colour, they need to understand the problems it can cause. I think I might be psychic. Uh, oh yeah, what with the book and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> good point. Well, kind of related to this with sort of outside agencies causing havoc, I really don't know if you saw this story. It's in The Guardian. Um, it relates to West London. Oh, okay, no, I don't think I saw this. By Aisha Ghani. Westfield? No. Shopping centre. Westfield, for any of our international listeners, the Westfield Shopping Centre is a ginormous kind of swanky kind of shopping centre in West London. Oh, unless you're from the US where Westfield originates from. Right. Um, the headline is, Kids Zania, children's show suspended after racism claims. <laughs> well, this is like something out of... Do you remember Legs Akimbo, the <laughs> yeah, amateur theatrical group out of the League of Gentlemen? Yeah. This is like the kind of thing they would do. Fantastic. Performances of a children's play at a London attraction have been suspended after a parent alleged that the portrayal of a black puppet was racist. Right. Pappy Nidaloo from Wandsworth spoke of his shock when he took his family to Kidzania, billed as a miniature city for children, only to see a black puppet being racially bullied. Nidilu said the trip to the entertainment centre on Saturday was for his eldest daughter Jada's eighth birthday, who he said had joined in a show featuring a friendly white Caucasian-looking puppet, in his words, and also a puppet called Shadow, which was... Sorry, can I just say that... uh, A friendly white Caucasian-looking puppet is an extra card. But also a puppet called Shadow, which was covered in a black hijab-looking sheet. Right. The white puppet taunted the black one and gave it a makeover before it reappeared in white, he told Evening Standard. Nadilu added, by using terms like, this is what was quoted in the play, he's black, ugly and scary, it encourages, <laughs> raci- oh my God. It encourages racial bullying towards children. If they had told us what the context of the play was, we would have not let our daughter take part. It reinforces the negative young children against Muslim, Muslim women who wear 
the hijab to cover their faces. What was the? Did, did, does the? Did the organisers say what they were? They were trying to. We'll get to the organisation okay. in a minute. Nadilu said his daughter, who's mixed race, was asked to play the part of Shadow. He said he found. He said he watched the show with his other daughter Vera, three, and his wife Charlotte, who he said found the experience shocking. Kidzania at Westfield London in Shepherd's Bush confirmed it had temporarily suspended performances while its management investigated the complaint. A spokeswoman told The Guardian the entertainers took any complaint seriously. Nadillo, originally from Durban in South Africa, told Evening Standard, I've experienced something similar to this in South Africa, but not here. Both my daughters were born in London. They have not experienced racism here and we didn't want to open up the discussion of race with them at such a young age, which I can understand. I also thought that he meant he he experienced a racist puppy show like this. (laughs) No. (laughs) The permanent £20 million Kidzania installation, a 75,000 square foot space, in quotes, designed to empower kids... Features role-playing activities in which children can dress up and play at being firefighters, pop stars and medics. Yes, 20 million, Rob. Nadilu said he complained to staff after the performance, but they defended the production, saying the content was sent by Kidzania by the Kidzania head office in Mexico. (laughs) He said they had received other complaints. Someone must have screened it and thought it was appropriate. Kidzania is a place kids are educated about the world and how life works, so kids will think this is normal, Nadilu said. This is not the first time Kidzania London, which opened in June, has been accused of racism. A photograph of a lone black child in a pretend police cell led to one parent starting a petition against the attraction in the summer. The parent wrote, My first question to myself was when did, was when did going to prison become a profession? I was so disheartened as it became apparent to me that this was nothing but subliminal, racist, racial no, profiling. he could have been a professional criminal. Rob, subliminal, racist, racial profiling, another very fucking strong episode title. Very true. Um... Briefly, last story from South East London, Hattie Collier, kind of one of those stories that we featured regularly over 160 episodes. Um, 99p stores find £23.5,000 after mouse droppings and Nord food found at Eltham High Street shop. Budget retailer 99p stores has been fined £23,500 after inspectors found food that had been nibbled by mice on sale inside its shop in Eltham. Oh, lovely. Food business operators of the Eltham High Street shop 99p stores Limited pleaded guilty to serious food hygiene offences at Bexley, Bexley Magistrates Court on November 16th. So this is what happened. The inspectors, Rob, found that mice had gnawed holes in the floor and food products in the stockroom and left behind smear and grease marks. <laughs> nibbled biscuits. Smear and grease marks? Yes. Nibbled biscuits and cakes, mouse droppings and urine were also found on shop shelves and floor. Oh, that's a bit grim. Gnawed pasta was found. <laughs> <laughs> inspectors immediately shut down the store for nine days while it was thoroughly cleaned, disinfected and pest-proofed. Um, thoroughly clean, disinfected and pest-proofed is a very good episode title. Mm. The council says inspectors revisited the shop several times, finding improvements. What I liked about this story, Rob, was one of the comments that simply said, Frank Jones 579 simply says, this is about six or seven months out of date, which is which is ironic considering the stuff that's going on in the shop. Yeah. I walked past it when it happened and all I could do was laugh. But that store closed down nearly a month ago and is now a Poundland who bought the 99p store a while ago as it was shown on the TV programme Pound Shop Wars. So, as ever... New Shopper reporting this story on the... Well, basically two days ago. As, as always, its finger is on the pulse, Rob. <laughs> Another breaking exclusive. Okay, Rob, you got a story for us? Yeah, it's coming from the Daily Mirror um, because I couldn't find it in... Alex, don't read your book. I, oh. I need your attention here. Uh, I was just looking at my Star Wars encyclopedia. Okay. Do you know what? I'm really happy that this includes all the way up to Star Wars Rebels as well. Wow. 
Now that's that's as soon as I saw it included Clone Wars, that's why I thought I had to get this for. Does it include the uh, Force Awakens? I don't think no, so. Of no, of course it doesn't. No, take it back. Okay. <laughs> anyway, right. So yeah, this is from the um, the Daily Mirror because unfortunately I couldn't find a local uh, paper that covered the story. What um, kind of journalist are you? And, well, I'm not a journalist. Either. I've never pretended to be. Are we though? Are we journalists? I don't think we journalists report other people's news. Yeah, but we have to research the news. We have to compile it. We have to put it together. Yes, but we we don't write the stories. No, but we sort of we sort of do decide on how we're going to present them. I don't know. I'd say there's a case to be made. I don't want to go too far down this road. It's not really important. No, that's a fair point. Uh, the story is by Steve Robson, and uh, the headline: Melting ice sculptures, endless traffic, and a wheelchair on fire. Uh, families fume over, over pathetic winter wonderland style events. <laughs> Presumably, that's an episode title contender right there. <laughs> what mighty melting ice sculptures, endless traffic, and a wheelchair on fire. <laughs> Fucking amazing! We've had, I think we've had three or four already this week, Rob, that have been astonishing. Yeah. One day I hope that we get so many listeners that we can literally just put a poll out for episode title and people vote. There's no reason why we couldn't do it anyway. No. There isn't there a thing you can do on Facebook where you can run a poll and people just click? I'm sure uh, there is. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to find out to do it. Would can you, you like do some it? Well, why not? Because sometimes we get multiple ones, and I'd love our listeners just to. To poll it. Do, do we want to try and maybe it's choose... about giving them ownership, Rob, of well, the product. I was just thinking, maybe, maybe we should choose like a top 20 that we feel of good. No, no, I don't mean from that. Top t- for each episode. We don't have 20 contenders. I'm saying for each episode. No, I meant, I meant 20 top episode titles and then let them choose from that, from that 20. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, I see. Sorry. I'm saying we let them choose the episode title for each episode. Oh, because I see. Because each episode sorry, we will you. always say we have like one, two, three. So we let, we upload the, ep- oh, we can't upload the episode without an episode title, can we? No. Okay, Sodja, we'll decide it ourselves. Fair enough. That was a, that was a very quickly rejected feature. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the kind of avenue we should leave off the podcast. Yeah. Um, it was billed as an event of enchantment and adventure, filled with spectacular lights, fire, and award-winning ice sculptures. Very good episode title right there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, families who shelled out £10.50 a ticket to attend the Woburn Luminaries Winter Wonderland-style events in uh, Bedfordshire were greeted with the disconcerting spectacle of a wheelchair being set on fire. Hang on a minute, Rob. I really need to process this. But are we, Rob? Sorry, hang on a minute, Rob. Are we sure that they weren't? Whoever did this wasn't doing a post Banksy ironic place because <laughs> no, Banksy did what was it called? Oh, um, uh, Dismal Land. Dismal Land. That's right. Yeah, Rob, you're telling me that an attraction at an, uh, a Christmas, uh, a Christmas sort of a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Extravaganza. Of, extravaganza. Was a wheelchair being set Would on fire? Would you see a picture of it before and after? And yes. So you can judge. It was not going to ruin the story. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What were you saying? For the listeners, the, in the middle of a grass field is a, a wheelchair which look, looks like a jerry can of fuel tied to it. And uh, I'm not sure whether they've like a guy And now it's figure. on fire and it just says underneath, disturbing, the event was described by one visitor as utterly pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what? What? I, can't, Rob, I don't understand. I want to laugh, but I'm too. This is too out there for yeah. me to even. I'm beyond humour. What the fuck are you talking about? And what what was that trying to represent? This is a Christmas. Tell me, it's in the story. Yeah, yeah. Dozens of angry customers are demanding refunds. Brand new event, a total, total waste of time, embarrassing, and a pathetic shambles. Many have complained they're not another even... episode title. Yeah. <laughs> Many have complained they weren't even able to get in, having given up after being stuck in traffic for more than two hours. That's not their fault they were stuck in traffic. No, that's true. Um, not blaming them for everything. But I think it's traffic getting to the actual venue. That's the problem. It's not their fault, though, is it? It's not the venue's fault there was traffic getting there. No, but you can probably anticipate how many people are going to go and maybe limit the tickets then. 
Just a thought. Well, you think that that traffic was all people going to the event? Yeah, I think so. Right. Woe is in the middle of nowhere. Um, those who did, uh, say, those who did uh, go said the show failed to live up to expectations. Woburn Luminaries have promised animated fire sculptures, a black what the light... Fuck? An, an, an animated fire sculpture? Yeah. How can you make a sculpture out of fire? Well, I'm worried that the, uh, the, the wheelchair is the animated fire sculptures and literally it's just a man in a wheelchair on fire that's been pulled across well, the Was that a man in there as well? Well, I think so. Is that not a dummy? Look, is that not like a... It just looks like a jerry can with fuel tied to it. Oh, right, is it? It looks like a skull on a stick. I mean, what's... what's is that what's... a skull on a stick, Rob? Yeah, we'll possibly goggles on. I don't know, Alex. Right, keep reading. I need to know more. I must know. Okay. So they promised animated fire sculptures, a black light trail. What's that? A black light trail. Um, <laughs> well, the only thing I know black light for is if it's used in the theatre. It's um, UV. Right. Uh, and 30 boutique stalls. But this morning, the, Facebook, the event's Facebook page was inundated with complaints. One read... I have to say, this was possibly the, the single most emba- embarrassing event I've ever witnessed. It was complete and utter, utterly pathetic. Massive queues, no signage, a, melting, uh, a few melting ice sculptures, and the odd candle does not make it an, an extraordinary <laughs> oh, light show. Oh, God. Uh, another wrote, what a complete waste of an evening. Four hours of my life, we will never get back. How much they pay for it? £10.50 a ticket. Oh, 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 oh. Two, of them, uh, two of them spent in the... Sorry. Two of them spent in the car getting through Woburn Village See, the people there probably spent like 40 quid for a family day trip out. Yeah. And the rest of the time uh, wasted on a farcical event, which was, was, which was most certainly not the event that was advertised. I want a full refund and will most certainly never attend this event. Absolutely dreadful. Um, another added, what a load of pants. Brought pre-tickets and spent two hours in the traffic queue. But my, and my two children were upset and hungry by the time we got in. We only, stu- we only stuck it out because we'd already paid. I wonder if there was food available. Well, hopefully so. Um, saw four four high sculptures that were melted, and the lights were just fairy lights hung over trees. Um, could have stayed at home and looked at my neighbours. Please refund. Uh, How did they think they could get away with this yeah, without being know. lynched? Get onto the wheelchair on fire. Well, okay. Don't tell me it isn't that a reporter hasn't investigated it. I thought it. It, did, it did mention it, but I can't see it. Um, right, okay. There's a bit more. Another ad at nine o'clock. We all we all gather around to watch them set fire to what? Some, some, <laughs> it, right, the thing is, it doesn't say what the wheelchair is. Okay, so I, right at nine p.m. We all gather around to watch, watch them set fire to what someone hilarious described as a wooden man in a wheelchair. I shout! I actually shouted! Why are they seriously? Is that it? They're burning the effigy of a disabled, disabled person. Yeah, is this some sort of pagan ritual? Is know. it a Tory ritual, Rob? Quite possibly. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Burn the disabled. Um, they're too lazy to work. And I am being ironic. The official page for the Roman Luminaries event appeared to have been taken down and is now displaying a page not found message. Right. Um, right. Let me just have a quick look. because Since I've read this story, there's actually been an update. Um, so this is from a spokesman for the Roman Abbey. Ah! Fortunately, we've experienced some issues with this year's Luminaries... Uh, oh, no shit. Well, it wasn't run by it. this Mexican group who do the uh, kids annual, was it? Could well be, yeah, yeah. Right. Burn the disabled, that was the latest play. <laughs> yeah. uh, despite preparations to accommodate the expected increase in visitor numbers, we found that much of our preparation proved fruitless when faced with this inclement weather. So are they saying that they're, they're, they expected a lot more? I think they're saying the weather ruined the event. 
Right. The weather is what caused them to set fire to the effigy of a man in a wheelchair. The weather is what caused them to put fairy lights on trees and think that was a good enough excuse for a winter wonderland. It was the weather, Rob. So, but it did say animated fire sculptures. So that was the anima- animated fire sculpture. Animated fire sculpture was an inanimate wooden man in an inanimate wheelchair burning on a field. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't I think they really... meant inanimate fire sculpture. <laughs> or unless, they, unless somebody came and just pushed it across the field. Oh my god! That's I mean that's even worse. But also, this is supposed to conjure up the idea of Christmas. Rob, please get on with the statement. Oh, sorry. Uh, we are aware that better organisation was required, and we're disappointed to find that many of our contingency plans, particularly those in place for car parking, traffic control, are not ag- adequate. Can I say this statement doesn't say anything about the actual items? It j- he j- he's just referring to the traffic problems. Yeah. So I don't think that is the problem, mate. So that implies, I think if you had more people turn up, you would have quite. Possibly been lynched. So this is implying then that the uh, so the wheelchair on fire. What clearly is some trellis with some fairy lights on. That's quite pretty, I guess. Uh, and um, well, that's pretty much the melting ice sculptures. So far, for ten pounds fifty, it seems to me their overheads were not that large. Let's say a box of I don't know ten fairy lights from uh, I don't know ten packs of fairy lights. Maybe that could have cost something like eight quid. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. So my ice is free. Last time I looked, and uh, the 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 effigy of the man in the wheelchair. I'm not sure how much that would have cost to knocked up. I mean, this is quite a profitable endeavour for them. What's that? That looks good. Yeah, this is when the ice sculptures. Um, All right, okay. I mean, it's quite a. Hmm. It's a Masonic ice sculpture. No, I'm glad you of, said it. Of a, of an eye in a pyramid. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, it's a strange choice again. For uh, what, what can I see? Yeah, yeah, nothing to do oh, that, with Christmas. That's, uh, there's some, that's just some traffic. Although, if you, if you scroll right to the top, you'll see a sad child. Um, oh dear God! Um, there, here's a, there, I've just seen a picture of a, of a child looking very glum with an ice sculpture, which is impossible to discern what it is behind it. For some reason, that ice sculpture looks like it's on fire, but um, I don't think it is. Well, with this place, I don't think uh, you could be too sure there. So, um, if anyone is interested, uh, tickets are still available. (laughs) Okay, Rob, and our listeners, it's time for a general anaesthetic segment. Now, Rob, general anaesthetic is the part of this podcast where we report on a national news story, often political in nature. We've really been getting our teeth into things weekly. Yeah. Every week. And people seem to be enjoying it. We've had good feedback on Mm. it. There's nothing else to talk about this week but our impending military intervention in Syria. Yeah. Uh, we are in a quite extraordinary circumstance, and this will be helpful for our international listeners as well. You have a majority Conservative government, who only just have a majority in the Houses of Parliament, who, with the exclusion of a few backbenchers here and there, are going to be voting for this military intervention. Yeah. At the moment, we are bombing Iraq, but we stop at the border of Syria. And we are being asked by our allies, America, France, everybody, to contribute. Apparently, it was very embarrassing for us a couple of years ago, I can't remember when it was, when this vote went to Parliament and we rejected it. And apparently, our standing in the world amongst our international partners has not been the same since, and we're seen as an unreliable ally. So a lot of people see us wanting to bomb as a, as gest- a gesture. Right. Do you know what I mean? To try and keep up with everybody and try and show our mettle on the international world stage. We also have certain technologies that will be helpful in that campaign. Yeah. The, the SNP are voting in block against it. Yep. The Tory party are in disarray, uh, the Labour Party are in disarray because in the new politics that Jeremy Corbyn is trying to foster, he is allowing a completely free vote on it. Yeah. 
which means that we are in the strange position of where Jeremy, Cor- Jeremy Corbyn is very staunchly against the war, which shouldn't surprise anybody who knows him, and his shadow foreign secretary, Hillary Benn, is for it. Yeah. And that is the sa- true, the same across the party. Which I, I believe that Hillary Benn has come out, in, um, but has, has said that the party should rally behind his leader, and it's, said that he's an effective leader. It's a very peculiar situation. Can I just read a tweet out? And, um, and I don't often do this, but um, I retweeted this because I felt it was it was quite relevant. Um, the tweet, I don't know who's from, unfortunately, but um, it just reads, I love how Jeremy Corbyn has been considered radical for not wanting to kill innocent people. What has this world become? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a very good point. Um, the Prime Minister last night held a meeting of the 1922 Committee, which is a, which is a group of backbenchers who are often quite, you know can be quite rebellious because obviously he was worried about this vote going through and he met with them and he I have to say probably at the work the worst kind of the most one of the most disgraceful things he's done is in, in his premiership is he really demeaned himself and his office by telling the group not to vo- walk through the lobby and vote with that group of terrorist sympathizers yeah, and he has received a lot of flack for this during the debate today which I had on on the radio because he to call people who are not voting for war as terrorist sympathizers is disgraceful mm. And also, it's no different than people who are against the war calling people who are for war warmongers. Yeah. It's a ridiculous thing to have said, and it's not the first time he's done these kind of things. It's, it's disgraceful. But Rob, before we talk about Syria, I've been having this, I've had this story for a few weeks. It's absolutely fascinating. Because I want to take us back to Iraq, our last major foreign endeavour yeah. in that way. Which proves so successful. The 5th of November... Remember, remember the 5th of November. Yeah. Guy Fawkes Day. The Guardian had this story by Claire Philip Phipps. Fascinating story. Because one person who has come out and criticised a lot of the things that were done under the George Bush regime in America is his father, George Bush Sr. Right. Who has written a book, presumably ghostwritten, and he says the following. This is the headline. Ghost Bush, George Bush Sr. says, Iron Ass Cheney and Arrogant Rumsfeld damaged America. Former U.S. President George Herbert Walker Bush has hit out of Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, two of the most senior figures in his son's administration, labelling them too, in quotes, hardline and arrogant in their handling of the 11th of September attacks, which, of course, led to the Iraq invasion. Mm. A new biography of the 41st president, Destiny and Power, the American Odyssey of George Herbert Walker Bush, reveals that Bush Sr. held Cheney and Rumsfeld responsible for the hawkish stance that hurt his son's administration, in quotes. Fox News reported on Wednesday. The book by John Meacham is based on audio diaries that Bush recorded during his time in the White House, as well as interviews with the former president and his wife, Barbara. Cheney served as Defence Secretary during George Herbert Walker Bush's 1989-1993 presidency and later as Vice President under George W. Bush. Mm. After 9-11, Bush Sr. told his biographer, I don't know, he just became very hardline and very different from the Dick Cheney I knew and worked with. The reaction to 9-11 and what to do about the Middle East... Just iron ass. His seeming knuckling under to the real hard-charging guys who want to fight about everything he's forced to get our way in the Middle East, Bush told Meacham in the book, which is due to be published next week. Of his son's role, Bush Sr. told a biographer, he's my son, he did his best, and I'm for him. It's that simple an equation. But he criticised Bush Jr. for allowing Cheney to build, in quotes, kind of his own State Department, close quote, <laughs> and for the inflammatory language that infused the US response to the 9-11 attacks. In quotes, 
I do worry about some of the rhetoric that was out there. Some of it his, George Bush Jr.'s, maybe, and some of it the people around him. Hot rhetoric is pretty easy to get headlines, but it doesn't necessarily solve the diplomatic problem. Mm. He added that George W. Bush's infamous State of the Union address in 2002, in which the then-president warned of an axis of evil of Iraq, Iran and North Korea, in quotes, might be historically proved to be not benefiting anything. <laughs> Can I say... Yeah, um, quite possibly. ...might be historically proved to not be, benefit, to be not benefiting anything as an episode title. Mm. Rumsfeld, who was Bush Jr.'s Secretary of Defence for most of his two terms, has so far not commented on the criticisms directed at him by the 41st President, who in the book calls him an arrogant fellow, adding, I don't like what he did and I think he hurt the President. I've never been that close to him anyway. There's a lack of humility, a lack of seeing what the other guy thinks. He's more kick-ass and takes names, takes numbers. I think he paid a price for that. But Cheney told Fox News he took the iron-ass jibe as a compliment. He says, and I don't know if you've ever seen an interview with Dick Cheney, I've seen many of them, he does come across as literally pure evil. Yeah, I mean, I find it difficult to believe that he became more hardline. I mean... Well, we're seeing him now, so we don't know what he was like before. Bush Senior saying he wasn't like this. But let's face it, we all know that, I mean... How do I put this? George Bush never go down as the most articulate of presidents, or... Hang on a minute. This is a quote from George Bush. Families is where our nation takes hope, where wings take dream. I find that incredibly inspiring. I say to myself every day, families is where our nation finds hope, where wings take dream. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means the same thing as when he said, um, what was it he said? Uh, um, We must learn to coexist peacefully with the fish. Right. Yep. Okay. And, and, And the meaning of that? We must learn to coexist peacefully with fish. Rather than this endless war, Rob! Bloodshed. Is the it? fish have died. We've died. We need to just call a truce. You're right, Alex. Otherwise, the fish will will rise up against us. Um, is it not just possible that they 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 managed to identify George Bush for exactly what he was, an idiot, and then realised that they I, could? I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off there. I really, I really always have to cut people off when I say this. George W. Bush is not an idiot. It is a very easy attack to make against him and say he's unintelligent, he was an idiot, etc., etc. And all that does is infantilise him and take away any power. Okay. Let me, let me say, just because he couldn't articulate himself doesn't call him stu- meaning stupid. In the run-up to the election, I watched lots of British journalists who were on a plane with him. And what they said was what people failed to realise about George W. Bush is when you get to know him outside of, of, the, mm. of the, the lectern and the speeches, he was very intelligent. Where he was incredibly intelligent was his charismatic sort of man management politics, the way he could work a crowd, okay. the way he could do this. So he's not stupid I'll by accept any chance. that, but is it not possible that Rumsfeld and Cheney were more than capable of manipulating him? Yeah, can we move on to them in a second? Okay. But Cheney says about these, ins- about these remarks that George Bush Sr. says, I took it as a mark of pride. The attack on 9-11 was worse than Pearl Harbor in terms of the number of people it killed. Can you remember the line, it was worse than, worse than Pearl Harbor, please? Okay. And the amount of damage done. And I think a lot of people believe then and still believe to this day that I was aggressive in defending and carrying out what I thought were the right policies. Cheney insisted he enjoyed reaching Meacham's book. He said, the diary is fascinating because you can see how he felt at various moments of his life. I'm enjoying the book. I recommend it to my friends and I'm proud to be part of it. This is how deluded this man is. He's got George Bush Sr. calling him an arrogant prick and he's saying I'm proud to be part of the book. But he dismissed claims levelled by the former president that Lynn Cheney, his wife, as well as his daughter Liz Cheney, had been behind his vice presidency. It's his view, he says, perhaps, of what happened. But my family's not conspiring to somehow turn me into a tougher, more hard-nosed individual. My God, they're all by myself. George W. Bush said his father would never say to me, hey, you need to rein in Cheney. He's ruining your administration. He'll be out of character for him to do that. I made the decisions. This was my philosophy. 
George W. Bush says, It's true that my rhetoric could get pretty strong and that may have bothered some people. Obviously it did, including Dad, though he never mentioned it. I love that last line. So George W. Bush was so concerned and was recording into this diary all the time, George Herbert Walker Bush, but he never thought to mention any of this to his son. And by God, I wish he had. Now, Rob, I've got two things for you to illuminate this further. And I really hope I do offer some illumination. I've never mentioned this on a podcast before. Now is a fitting time to mention it. I don't think I've ever spoken to you about it before. Hopefully it will help you understand what's going on a bit more and our listeners. Before Bush took office in mm. January 2001, there was a, what has proved to be a highly um, influential neoconservative American think tank. Now, that thick think tank, which was uncovered by the Sunday Herald, um, wrote a very long document called The Project for a New American Century. You can read it yourself online. Um, and it called for the creation of a global Pax Americana. And it was basically outlining what it imagined America needed to do in order to keep its stranglehold on its empire over the next hundred years, the next American century. It was drawn up. Um, it was drawn. It was, it was global. So global Pax Americana. Yeah, and it was drawn up for Dick Cheney, who then became vice president. Donald Rumsfeld, who became De- defense secretary. Paul Wolfowitz, Rumsfeld deputy. George W. Bush's younger brother Jeb, and Louis Libby, Cheney's chief of staff. The document, entitled Rebuilding America's Defenses, Strategies, Forces and Resources for a New American Century, was written in September 2000 by the Neoconservative Think Tank Project for a New American Century, otherwise known as PNAC. And these guys who became part of Bush's inner circle, Rumsfeld, Cheney, Horowitz, uh, Pearl, Richard Pearl, who's a horrendous individual, they were, the, they were part of this think tank. Mm. So when you talk about Bush being manipulated by these people around him, I think you're probably right. And what it said was, the American grand strategy as laid out in this document must be, it said, because it was making a case, um, to look as far into the future as possible. And it called for the US to fight and decisively win multiple simultaneous major theatre wars as its core mission. Okay? In the report, it refers to key allies such as the UK as the most effective and efficient means of exercising American global leadership. It describes peacekeeping missions as demanding American political leadership rather than that of the United Nations. It reveals worries in the administration that Europe could rival the USA. It says, even should Saddam pass from the scene, this is way before, bases in Saudi Arabia and Kuwait, US bases, will have to remain permanently, despite domestic opposition in Gulf regimes to the stationing of US troops there, as, in quote, Iran may well prove as large a threat to the US interests as Iraq has. Now, what's important to say, this document is very um, detailed, and I can't really talk about all of it here. What was fascinating in that was it talked about these wars which it felt needed to be waged and for America to reassert its dominance. And it said that, and it called this about transformation of America, and it said that this transformation was going to be very difficult uh, to do unless the US suffered an attack like Pearl Harbor. Right. And it quotes Pearl Harbor in the thing. Of course, 9-11 happened and these people jumped straight on it to do this. It pinpoints in the document the following places as dangerous and threatening to America, and thus implying, through talking about its multiple conflicts, that these would be the targets. North Korea, which as we know has nuclear weapons, so which is probably why nothing has happened there yet. Yeah. Also no oil, really. No, nothing of any worth. Okay, let's go through the rest. Libya. Okay, yep. Yeah, Iraq. Right. Syria. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. hear me? Iran. And it said their existence justifies the creation of a worldwide command and control system. Now... Chilling. But just to think, that was written in 2000. Bush came in. 9-11 happened. 
the axis of evil speech. And since then, now, now we are still following that plan to the letter. And now, of course, it's Syria. One person here who has said something very interesting about this is a Labour MP. Tam Diel, the Labour MP, and I think at that point, father of the House of Commons, and one of the leading rebel voices against the war with Iraq, said, This is garbage from right-wing think tanks stuffed with chicken hawks, men who have never seen the horror of war but are in love with the idea of war, men like Cheney, who are draft dodgers in the Vietnam War. This is a blueprint for US world domination, a new world order of their making. These are the thought processes of fantasist Americans who want to control the world. I am appalled that a British Labour Prime Minister should have got into bed with a crew which has this moral standing. Can I say um, the thought processes of, of fantasist thought processes of fantasist Americans who want to control the world? I actually think out of all of those, Rob, has to be the episode yeah, title considering what we're talking right. about this week. I You've looked disturbed through that. And well, I, but I hope it was informative. Did you know about this? Because no, I've known I about this for years. It's, and I've read it. It's an interesting read. I mean, it's terrifying. But yeah. I mean, a thing that that really speaks out to me is is one it's only a, a tiny facet of this the word pax it's a latin word yeah for peace yeah i'll just leave it at that well that perhaps they see peace as being achieved through war now rob before we leave this is very small once again a guardian commenter leaps to our rescue to explain why we actually might be going into syria what is actually going on there and it's very interesting if you go away and research this. What he's saying, he's not just. This is actually accurate right. if you look at it. Okay. I have to say, I love his uh, handle, Talky Talky Hotel Window. Nice. Uh, okay. And he calls himself Basil. He says, "Welcome to Basil's crash course on the Syrian civil war." To aid anyone as confused as I was about why so many countries are even bothering to get involved. So, would you like to know, Rob? What do you think it might involve? Why do you think we might be getting involved in Syria? Why do we normally get involved in the Middle East? Uh, well, it's usually to, try to reap their assets or if we, they have a dictator yeah. that we don't agree with. And people have kept saying that this can have nothing to do with oil. There isn't really any oil in Syria. Ah, What else does Syria have then? But not look... Well, it, no, no, it's to do with oil, Rob, but it's not about what's there. This is apparently what Talky Hotel Window thinks it's about. Qatar has the third largest reserve of natural gas in the world. Mm-hmm. In 2009, it proposed the gas line pipeline through... Guess Syria. What? Syria and Turkey, into Europe, to sell this natural gas on the European market. It would have tripled the country's output and made Qatar around £100 billion, which is the value of the UK's entire NHS, and Qatar has the same population as Birmingham. Crucially, it challenged Russia's dominance of the European energy market, who are used to supplying them. Assad rejected the proposed pipeline, who is an ally of Putin, Mm. according to the AFP, to protect the interests of his Russian ally, which is Europe's top supplier of natural gas. This is why Qatar has pumped $3 billion into funding anti-Assad rebels. This is why Russia is involved on Assad's side. This is why Turkey shot down that Russian jet. This is why the West is involved against Assad. This is why ISIS has been funded from the outside. It's about the control of resources. That concludes Basil's crash course, although I'm aware on The Guardian, so I should mention that all of this is Corbyn's fault. I, I'm sorry to say, but that just feels like the missing puzzle piece. Yeah. Because it it just seems to give it alarming clarity. Yep. Indeed. How are you feeling, Rob, after my general anaesthetic segment? Despair? I'm going to join ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Despair. 
It is now time for our listener story of the segment of the week. And I do just want to dissociate myself from the comments that Rob made at the end of the last segment. I I am not joining anybody. I just want to sit at home and watch everything unfold from afar. Can I just say that it was meant uh, as a joke and uh, I hope people will take it that way. GCHQ. Yeah, especially the security services. Um, this is a, an entertainment podcast and it was done for the medium entertainment. Rob is also a coward. Yeah, there is that. And, uh, you know, I, I barely leave my house. Um, right. Uh, to try and pick the mood up uh, on, on a more, you know, make it a more jovial note, uh, we're going to do our listener story. Yeah, because we are listed under comedy in uh, iTunes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're straying a bit away from that. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, there's not a lot of, uh, of comedy material that we can draw out of Syria and ISIS. So um, we're going to Derby instead. So the story is from, uh, from Kyber. This is one of the stories that I said I'd, I would promise. Is Kyber from Derby? Yeah. Both Kyber and Steve from Derby. Do they know each other? I think so, yeah. Oh, they're right. friends, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Lovers, it, maybe. It, um, okay, yeah. I mean, it would be interesting well, to know. before we begin, uh, we've forgotten something, mate. I did say this, but you just press record. Uh, right, so... Um, uh, could you... Because we like it to people to feel this is organised. So, maybe some... Actually, there's a fire. So, possibly just... Have, can we have a fire? Or maybe a fire engine, something like that? A fire engine? Yeah, that'd be alright. Oh, should we just have a fire sounds... Yeah. ...loop? There um, go. People are getting a peek there behind the curtain. Oh, virtual campfire! We're back to the campfire. Amazing. Right? Come full circle. Oh, we did have the. You've got campfire sounds because we used to have them all the time. Yeah, I do on the phone actually. But ah, oh, and lovely. cicadas, lovely. It's, it's, it's not really the same when, when when I tell the story. It's not really. Do you know a what, Rob? Campfire. We should have really had this because look, there is a picture of a fire. We oh, could have actually oh, recreated the the feeling of a campfire. Well, maybe if we do if we do the epi- if we do the episode where it's just this story for the very last story we'll bring back the campfire. Yeah, I'd like that because I miss us making love under the trees. Right. Um that never happened. Right, so the story's from the Derby Telegraph. Oh, you were asleep, but it happened for me. Yeah, that would make sense. Anyway, uh, the journalist is uh, Caroline Jones. The headline. Angry Derbyshire woman phones police over noisy neighbours then finds he was trapped in fire. Oh, oh, fucking hell. Hang on. He's okay, by the way. Are you telling me that a person was trapped in a fire, was screaming for help? Yep. She got annoyed with the noise and called the police. Yes. Complained about the noise their neighbours were making. Yes. Dear Mike. Oh, dear God. An angry woman called the police after hearing her neighbours shouting and banging, only to find out later he was calling for help after being trapped in a fire. If you could hear shouting and banging against the wall, wouldn't you assume, wouldn't you begin to think, if it went on for hours or a long time, somebody might be trying to alert help, wouldn't you just go and knock on their door to check everything was okay? You would think, Because it's yeah. a banging on the wall, which would make me think. Yeah, you would think that what the hell, I mean... If, and the screams of get even help. Even if I was getting really pissed off, I would go and knock on his door saying, look, what's going on here? Would you? Well, no, I, I did after a while on my neighbours. With the lesbian neighbours, yeah. yeah. The man was eventually rescued by a helpful neighbour, by a helpful neighbour, probably on the other side, <laughs> uh, and police who had been called to the scene after the complaint. So the police actually turned up and found out his house was on fire. She didn't notice that either then. She didn't notice the walls getting rather hot. No, apparently the smoke sort of billowing past the window. I think she'd been drinking. Um, okay, sorry, no, there's nothing to suggest that, by the way. The, uh, the incident happened on Stratford Street, uh, Stratford Street in Ilkston, I think that's right, shortly before 1.30am on Saturday. Uh, a spokesman for Derbyshire police said she had called us complaining about her neighbour making a lot of noise. Officers soon realised off- officers soon realised his house was on fire and managed to obtain a ladder. How did they realise this? Well, they must have turned up and realised there was smoke Holy pouring shit. out of the house. <laughs> As she was standing on her doorstep having a fake fag and complaining about it. 
Um, as they were making their way up, the man managed to climb out and get down, uh, get down the ladder himself. Uh, neighbor, How would she have explained it afterwards? Can you imagine? He's like, thanks a lot. But also, I mean, I'm guessing... I don't, I don't know. Because I guess if he was always noisy, then you could understand it. But if yeah. he was generally a good neighbour and then this happened, then you think she would put two and two together and assume he was in distress. Yeah, you would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, neighbour Michael Coldwell, 40, smashed the upstairs and downstairs window of the property, which is boarded up. And she didn't hear that? To do. Apparently no. Uh, right. So the, the neighbour, the helpful neighbour, smashed both windows to allow the man to breathe. Um, a neighbour who did not wish to be named said, the, the fire woke me up and we heard a bloke screaming and asking for help. If you can hear him banging, if he's shouting help, that your response is to call the police to tell him to get the noise down. <laughs> I, I rang 999 when Michael was trying to get the man out, um, who told him, mate, I'm burning. <laughs> Don't know, I laugh at Alex. Michael was, uh, was barefoot as he ran out of the... Uh, sorry, Michael was barefoot as he ran straight out of bed. After he smashed the window, the police turned up with a ladder. Uh, further eyewitness reports say there was a lot of smoke. Uh, Ian Park, a local, local resident, said people running around, then we realised there was a house on fire. Yes. That implies that people were running around first, and then they realised there was a house on fire. Rob, this story doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, police officers were using a ladder to get the man inside, and we saw him being taken out of the house, wrapped up, and being given first aid. It all happened very quickly, and by the time they got out, the fire and the ambulance were there. Uh, crews from Ilkston and Henor attended the incident and spent 40 minutes putting out the fire, but there was a scene. There was a. They were just on the scene after 4 p.m. Damping down and ventilating the property. Um, crew, uh, crews used breathing apparatus and one hose, real jets, and the fire was extinguished at 9:49 a.m. Uh, so 1:49 a.m. Doesn't say anything more about the neighbour though. Doesn't say the neighbour apologised to the neighbour. There's no, there's no word of the neighbour after that. All we get is about the helpful neighbour. Yeah, the good neighbour and the helpful neighbour sounds like a parable from the New Testament. Yeah. The unhelpful neighbour let the man burn to death in his own house. <laughs> Luckily, the helpful neighbour managed to smash his windows. And release the yeah. burning man. But he's okay. He's okay. He's no fine. burns? Uh, doesn't say. Right. Another <laughs> another brilliantly reported story. <laughs> yeah. The journalism of these local news... This is the th- th- this is the same paper that sent the journalist out to watch people on, the, on his lunch break. So, I mean... <laughs> oh, God, have we had any more of those? No, apparently, Kobe said they stopped the feature, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> after they sacked the journalist... <laughs> Well, obviously not, because he's got a gig doing this story, isn't he? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, okay, Rob, well, that brings us... brings this episode, Rob, episode 160, 60. to a close, Rob, as we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation, yet trepidation, to our next episode, Rob, which will be episode 161, as we move ever more forward, Rob. As we move ever more forward, like... Like a group of crazed lunatics moving forward to another ill-advised foreign military endeavour. Just like that, we move ever more forward to our next episode, which, as I say, will be episode 161. And all that remains now, Rob, as we leave the campfire behind, the cab's pulled up, which is perfect timing, is, Rob, to say goodbye to this episode, episode 160, which I feel has been a corker. Bye, Rob. I'm a bit sombre this week because of the, the content... It's kind of been half funny, half sad, so I'm a bit sad. Yeah. I just want to say You'll be a lot sadder to realise that I've stopped paying for your taxi, you're going to have to walk home. Well, that's okay, Rob. I've got my own means of getting the cab home, but thank you. Yeah, okay. Bye. Bye. That was easy, wasn't it, Rob? Surprisingly so. I'm not going to give you a gift every week, you realise, just to butter you up. (laughs) 
And maybe that did subconsciously make that less pain, painful for you. Not for me. We can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash lapodcast. We are on Tumblr at tumblr.com forward slash lapodcast. We are on Twitter at at lapodcast. And if you want to send us a story from wherever you are in the world, you can tweet it to us, you can post it on Facebook, or you can do the good old-fashioned way via email, which is lapodcast.net at gmail.com. Don't forget Tumblr. Don't forget Tumblr. (laughs) And I would like to just say that if you go to iTunes, you can just easily find us by putting in LA Podcasts, or you can just put in Alex and Rob, or you can put in local news. Any of those will bring us straight up there, right at the top. And please, please, please subscribe to us if you haven't already. Leave us a review if you haven't already, because it takes two seconds to leave us a review. If you've tried to leave us a review, and it asks you to create a username to do it, and then it keeps rejecting your username, that's because obviously all the usernames are taken. Just put in a random string of digits, then, or letters. We don't care. We don't care. And then you can leave a really easy easy review. But please do that. Also, tell your friends. We said it last week. Just share the podcast. Badger them. Tell your family. Put a gun to their head. Tell them if they don't listen... You're going to shoot? No, I'm not advocate. Actually, I want to retract that. Yeah, let, 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 let's advocate stop that. that. That's too extreme. Just, just encourage them. It's a good time to finish. Yeah. God bless. And keep it local. Bye.